Good morning. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 14, verses 7 through 12. I would invite you to turn to Romans chapter 14, verses 7 through 12. We're going to be asking the question today, is Jesus the Lord of your life? The Bible affirms that Jesus Christ is Lord. As a matter of fact, Paul would say in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. On Pentecost Day, when the Apostle Peter preached the first gospel sermon, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, that he said, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that this same Jesus whom you crucified, that God has made him both Lord and Christ. The question is not, is Jesus Lord? He is Lord. The question is, have you made him the Lord of your life? Read with me if you would, Romans chapter 14, verses 7 through 12. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Today we ask the question, is Jesus the Lord of your life? There are three things I want to share with you in this context. First, I want to talk about his ownership Secondly, his lordship, and thirdly, his judgeship. We begin by, first of all, addressing his ownership. Paul would write in verse 7, speaking of the Lord's aim. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. It has been said before that no man is an island unto himself. In the first century, you had the bringing together of Jews and Gentiles into the one body. In Romans chapter 14, Paul is talking about some of the Christian liberties that people had. Obviously, there are matters of faith and there are matters of of opinion. Paul here is addressing the stronger and the weaker brother. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we take our eyes off of God and put them on one another. It's really not so much what we think about others or what others think about us, but what the Lord thinks of us. And so in this context, Paul is simply saying that the Lord's aim is that our lives would be to His honor and glory, that life is about the Lord. You remember Solomon many, many years ago when he surveyed his life. He took inventory. And after looking at all of the many things that he experienced in life, his conclusion was, look, here's the sole aim of life. Fear God, keep His commandments. For this is man's all. This is what life is all about. 
But I mentioned the fact that there is the aim of the Lord, but there is also the claim of the Lord. What Paul is saying here is that the Lord Jesus Christ owns us. He owns us in life and he owns us in death. Listen again to what he said in verse 8. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, he said, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. One of the greatest truths in the Bible is that you as a child of God belong to Him. That God looks at you as His own. We are said to be His children in 1 John chapter 3. And we are called by Paul heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ in Romans chapter 8. But you think about what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. When he said, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have from God. And then he said, For you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And so the conclusion is, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23, the writer speaks of those of us who belong to the body of Christ. He said, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. In the Old Testament, the firstborn was set apart, designated for God. In Exodus chapter 13, God would say to Moses, I want you to sanctify, set apart whatever opens the womb, whether it be man or beast. And he said, the reason, it's mine. And so what the Hebrew writer is saying is, as a member of the body of Christ, we belong to the Lord. So in life, I'm God's. God claims me as His own. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19 that the firm foundation stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. Did you know that if you're a child of God, God claims you, He knows you? We talk about His we talk about His aim for us, but then there is His claim on us. God has claimed us as His own. Now, not just in life, but Paul said, you need to understand, we are the Lord's, whether we live here in this world or whether we step out into eternity, we still belong to Him. Well, how do I know that? Listen again to what Paul said. For if we live, we live to the Lord. He said, if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, in light of all of this, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Do you remember when Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica? One of the problems that the people in that city had, those who were members of the church, they had difficulty understanding what happened at death, particularly the death of those who belong to the body of Christ. And so Paul said, look, I don't want you to be misinformed, but rather I want you to understand that if we belong to the Lord, that we're safe with Him. As a matter of fact, Paul would say that we are sleeping in Jesus, aren't we? And he said that when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again, and Paul said he's going to come with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and he said the dead in Christ will rise first. So the Lord's simply saying, look, if we step out into eternity, we still belong to the Lord. We're still His. Do you remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 116, 15? 
Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. John would write in Revelation chapter 14, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord, yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow, him, follow them. So, again, we belong to God. And in this context, Paul is simply saying, look, the Lord has claimed ownership of you. So we talk about His ownership. But then, secondly, think with me, if you would, about His Lordship. Now look at verse 9. In verse 9, we think about the supremacy of the Lordship of Jesus. For to this end Christ died and rose again, or rather rose and lived again, that He might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Now I said a moment ago, the question is not, is Jesus Lord? He is Lord. On Pentecost Day, when all of those people were in the city of Jerusalem, and Peter preached that great lesson, he affirmed in the presence of all of those people that God has made this Jesus, of whom they had crucified, both Lord and Christ. In other words, first, he was the Messiah, the anointed one. He was the fulfillment of all of those Old Testament prophecies. When the prophets foretold of the coming seed, as announced by the Lord in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when those prophets pointed to the coming of Jesus, what the Bible affirms is he was the fulfillment of them. Jesus came to fulfill prophecy, didn't he? And Peter is saying, look, you need to understand, the very one you put to death, God has said, He is my anointed one. He is, my, he is the Messiah. But not only is He the Messiah, but He is Lord. In other words, He is the ruler of all things. And His intent is that you would make Him the Lord of your life. Now, when we talk about the Lordship of Jesus and the fact that He is over all things. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18? All authority, all power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. We talk about earthly rule and earthly governments. And what the Bible is saying is that Jesus is the King of all kings. He is the Lord over all lords. He is, as John would say in the book of Revelation in chapter 1, the ruler over the kings of the earth. So his supremacy is unquestioned. As a matter of fact, he is, as Paul said, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And ultimately, that all things, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So Jesus is preeminent. His sovereignty is unquestioned. His lordship, again, unquestioned. But here's the question. Have we submitted to the lordship of Jesus? Now, it's one thing to talk about the supremacy of the lordship of Jesus and to acknowledge the fact that, you know what, Jesus Christ is Lord. We don't have to decide whether or not he's Lord. We don't have to decide whether or not he's reigning and ruling in heaven because he is. The question is, will I submit to the Lordship of Jesus? In other words, what God is saying in this context is, look, you belong to me. And as one who belongs to me, 
What you, what you are doing is saying, Lord, you are the ruler of my life. You're the one that reigns in my heart. Every, everything I do is in accordance with your will. So, have you surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus? Have you surrendered your time to the Lord Jesus? Did you know that time is a precious commodity? Jesus had 33 years upon this earth. His ministry lasted about three and a half years. During the course of his ministry, Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me. He said, the night is coming when no one can work. In other words, death is looming. And so I only have a little bit of time to work, and so I've got to do what I can, where I can, when I can, as long as I can, because my time will be over. Time is precious, isn't it? 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. And you think about how quickly time gets away. The psalmist talked about how we might live to be 70 or 80 years of age. But he said it's soon cut off and we fly away. So in light of that, he said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Paul said in Ephesians 5.16 that we are to redeem the time. Have you surrendered your time to the Lord? I understand time is short. It is a commodity. But sometimes if we're not careful, we are self-centered when it comes to our time. There is a big difference in acknowledging that Jesus is Lord and surrendering to Jesus as Lord. And so, is Jesus the Lord of your time? When you wake up in the morning, do you say, okay, I've got 24 hours in this day. That is from morning to morning. I'm going to use the time I have today to bring honor and glory to God. Do you have that attitude? Do you have the attitude that during the course of this day, I'm going to be a light in this world. I'm going to be a shining light for good. I'm going to be the salt of the earth, a leavening agent for good wherever I am. So you think about your time, but then what about your talents? It's amazing the pool of talent that exists in this congregation. There is so much talent. And so the question is, have you surrendered your talents or your abilities to the Lordship of Jesus? There are some people that have a tremendous ability to encourage. You remember Barnabas, the thing that he was known the most for? Barnabas was an encourager. And you can be an encourager to others. Some of you have the ability to teach. And I appreciate so much those of you that teach in our Bible classes. Some have been teaching, some are teaching, some plan to teach. Listen, if you have the ability to teach, you ought to teach. Why? Because God has given you a talent to teach. And so what, what the Bible says is, you ought to use your talents and your abilities to the glory of God. Some people have the ability to encourage. Some have the ability to teach. Some people have the ability to sit down one-on-one 
Maybe not necessarily in a public setting, but in a private setting and teach somebody the gospel. You have that talent. You have that ability. You have the ability to connect one-on-one. And there are some of you that have a tremendous ability to sit down and talk to somebody about their salvation, about where they are spiritually speaking. They trust you. They'll listen to you. They'll open the scriptures with you. You have that talent, so use it. So whatever your talents or abilities are, surrender them to the Lordship of Jesus. And then what about your treasures? Have you surrendered your treasures to the Lord? Did you know that whatever we possess, ultimately, it all belongs to God? We're just a steward of what we possess. At death, what happens to what we have? We take it with us. Paul said, it is certain we can, he said, we brought nothing into this world. He said, we can't carry anything out. Job said, naked came I into this world, naked shall I depart. You came in this world, came into this world with nothing, and the Bible simply says, look, you're leaving with nothing. So what are you? You are a steward. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, that that which is required of a steward is that a man be found faithful. Have you surrendered your treasures to the Lord? You know, sometimes when it comes to our time, our talents, our treasures, we want to dole out a little bit, but we don't want to give everything, do we? Is there something in your life that you would withhold from the Lordship of Jesus? Would you withhold your time? Would you withhold your talents, your treasures? You know how the work of the church is carried on? It's carried on by manpower and money. Some people have the ability to make money. They have that ability. They're good at it. That's a talent they have. There are two parts to the Great Commission. There is the going and the sending. Not everybody can go, but we can send, can't we? So if you have the ability to make money, and that's a talent you have, then make it and use it to the glory of God. Paul would say in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Charge them that are rich in this present world, not to be high-minded, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to observe. And then he said, Why? That we might do good. In other words, we use what we have to his honor and glory. What about your tongue? Is your tongue under the lordship of Jesus? Have you surrendered your tongue to him? Sometimes as Christians, we say things we shouldn't say, don't we? Sometimes we'll let a word fly here, a word fly there. Sometimes we get caught up in gossip. Sometimes we, we say things, as Paul said, that we ought not. Is your tongue under the lordship of Jesus? Have you surrendered your tongue to his lordship? Did you know that Jesus said every idle word that men speak, they will give an account thereof in the day of judgment? Did you know that? Did you know whatever you say, not only what what you do, but what you say, one day you'll face it in the judgment. So is your tongue under the lordship of Jesus? 
In James chapter 3, James talks about the inconsistent tongue. On the one hand, they bless God. On the other hand, they curse men. And James said, my brethren, it ought not so to be. If your tongue is not under the lordship of Jesus, then you need to make some changes. So we talk about our, our time, our talents, our treasures, our tongue. What about your temperament? Do you have the temperament of a New Testament Christian? When people see you and see how you carry yourself in this world, can they tell, you know what, he or she is under the lordship of Jesus. He or she conducts himself like a Christian. Is that how you act, like a Christian? Do you remember Paul said, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel? Do you live in such a way so that when people see you, they say, you know what, that's what a Christian looks like. That's what a Christian is supposed to look like. Is that how they see you? Have you surrendered your temperament to the Lordship of Jesus? When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example in word, and then he said, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So I ask you, have you surrendered your temperament to the Lordship of Jesus? Listen again to what Paul said. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. It's one thing to affirm Jesus is Lord. It's another thing to say Jesus is my Lord. When I say Jesus is the Lord of my life, what I'm saying is all to him I have surrendered. It's all his. Does the Lord have your time? Does he have your talents? Does he have your treasures? Does he have your tongue? Does he have your temperament? Does he have all those things? If he doesn't, something's not right. Why? Because Paul's saying, look, you belong to God. He has claimed you. His aim that is that your life would be conformed to his will. His claim is you belong to him. So as one of his children, live like him. Live like the Lord is enthroned in your heart. Did you know that you have a throne in your heart? All of us have a throne. The question is, who occupies that throne? Let me tell you who occupies the throne in a lot, in a lot of folks' lives. Self. Self. Too many of us, we acknowledge Jesus as Lord, but we're not willing to acknowledge Him as our Lord. Now you think about that for a minute. You have a throne. Who is sitting upon the throne of your life? Is it self or is it the Savior? The Lord wants to be the one who is ruling and reigning in your life. He wants to be the one who is calling the shots, so to speak. Sometimes people will have a bumper sticker. It says, God is my co-pilot. Look, God is not interested in being your co-pilot. He's not interested in having a partnership with you. What God wants to be is the ruler of your life. He wants to be in absolute control. So when we talk about surrendering all to Jesus, that means everything, lock, stock, barrel. Do you remember what Jesus said? If any man comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That means none of self and all of him. 
Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Is that a good summation of your life? Is it all about Christ? Look, if it's 80% Christ, 20% you, got too much control in your own life. If it's 90% Christ, 10% you still, you got too much. The Lord wants to be 100%. Is that, is that you? When we say Jesus is Lord, He is Lord. Peter said it, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That is unquestioned. The Bible says God has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of things in heaven, of things on earth, of things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So he is Lord, but is he your Lord? Is he the one that has control of your life? So we think about his ownership, his lordship, and his judgeship. Look, if you would, verse 10. Why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Note, if you would, the plural words. We, us. What's he saying? What he's saying is, that our presence is expected at the judgment. Whether we like it or not, we'll all be there. I want you to think about something. Could be soon. Could be hundreds of years later. Could be, could be a million years from now. Who knows? But one day, known to God, we're all going to stand before Him. And here's what you need to understand. You're going to get... You're going to get some time face-to-face -face with Jesus. You're going to have the opportunity to stand in the presence of Jesus, to be one-on-one -on -one with Him. Now, the Bible talks about how all of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's true. Collectively, we'll all be there. But we're not going to be judged collectively, but rather we're going to be judged individually. Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, said, We must all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. Think about that. One day, the Lord's going to call your name. And guess what? You're going to stand before His throne. You're going to stand before Him and give an account of how you've lived here. That's where you'll be, right before His throne. You'll have His absolute attention. And then, really, the question is, how's it going to go for you? Will it be pleasant? Will you stand before him as a faithful child of God and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant? Is that what the Lord's going to say to you on that day? Why? Because he was the Lord of your life. Because the focal point of your life was Christ. Because as Paul said, Christ who is our life. Is that you? When you stand before the Lord, is it going to be pleasant? Will you stand before him knowing, knowing that you're heaven bound? Will it be painful? You know, one of the probably most painful thoughts 
is to contemplate the fact that at one time we had been faithful to the Lord. At one time, He had been the Lord of our life. He was the summation of everything we lived for. And then we left Him. And to think, standing before the Lord, as painful as it may be, as a child out of fellowship with Him, What's he going to say? You think, you think we'll be hurt? Do you think we'll be embarrassed by how we lived? Do you think there will be regret? I, I can assure you there are going to be a lot of people standing before the Lord one day and regret is going to be one of the biggest emotions. The Bible says in Luke 16 when Jesus talked about the rich man and Lazarus. He said, son, remember, remember. Remember all those times you had to be faithful to serve God? Remember those times you had to surrender your life to Him, to put Him first, and you didn't do it? Regret. Regret. So, our presence it's expected at the judgment. You can plan on it. You don't even have to pencil it in on your calendar. It's, it's coming. Now, you can plan for it. You can not plan for it. But the bottom line is, you're going to be there, whether you like it or not. You'll stand before the Lord. And then, note if you would, the profession expected at the judgment. First, your presence is expected. Secondly, there's going to be a profession expected. Listen to what he says. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. One day you're going to bow in the presence of the great I Am. You're going to be in the presence of Jesus, and you're going to be on your knees. And as you stand before Him and then bow, you're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. You may be here today, and you believe in the Lordship of Jesus. You believe He is Lord. You would acknowledge that. You'd tell it to anybody. But deep down in your heart of hearts, you know you haven't surrendered to Him. You're not the Lord of your life. You're the Lord of your life. You're calling the shots. You're running everything. You understand the Lord wants to own you, but really and truly, it's a partnership. It's not an ownership. Look, Jesus said no man can serve two masters. It's either an ownership or a partnership. If it's not an ownership deal, something not right. So, his ownership, his lordship, and his judgeship. One day we're going to stand before him. And we'll bow in his presence. And we will, as the Bible says, confess to God that Jesus is Lord. I don't know where you stand spiritually. But the intent is that all of us would acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life. Because as, as Paul said, He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords. Is He the King of your life? Is He the Lord of your life? Does He have everything you have to offer? A moment ago we sang the song, All to Jesus I Surrender, I surrender all. Either that's true or it's not true. Can't have it both ways. Either you, have, either you have surrendered everything to Him and He wants it all, or you haven't. 
So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, let me, let me just say this. The Lord paid the price for you on Calvary. His desire is that you would come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. Do you believe Jesus to be the Son of God? If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you would be willing to repent just like they did on Pentecost Day as instructed by Peter, Acts 2.38, and you would confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and then be immersed so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 22.16, God will put you in the church. Let me tell you what, you will be a part of His body, and He'll own you. And one day He will claim you as His own when He comes again. If you're here and maybe you're not faithful, maybe your life's not what it ought to be, golden opportunity right now for you to say, you know what, maybe my life's not been what it ought to be. I need, to, I need the prayers of the church. I need people to pray with me and for me so that God, so that God can use me. Because quite frankly, I haven't been submitting my life to his lordship. Look, we're here to help. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you as we stand and sing.